Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Linux Reality. My name is Chess Griffin, and this is episode 58, and we are going to continue our discussion of home servers. And what I'm going to do in this episode is go through an installation of a uh, of a LAMP server and then a little web calendar application, just as an example of how to kind of get it all, you know, bring it all together, this little first part of, uh, you know, talking about LAMP servers and how to install a little PHP application. And uh, then in the next several episodes, we'll talk about some other types of home servers as well. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, one thing, just as an aside, I had to mention that um, I don't know what made me think of this, but over the weekend, one of my one of the things I had to do over the weekend was I had to clean out my son's fish tank. Uh, my six-year-old son, he's got a fish tank with tropical fish, and I remember I had a fish tank when I was a kid. And boy, it's real pain cleaning out a fish tank. It's just it's a lot, it's not fun, and it always seems like. I try really hard to, you know, take care of the fish and, you know, and I, you know, I have my son help me with this and put them in a little bag, you know, put them to it, you know, to the side while we're cleaning it. And we, you know, try to just, you know, clean it with warm water and try to get the temperature right, put the bag back in, you know, let the fish get adjusted, put the fish back in and inevitably half of them die right away. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not using weird soaps. You know, I'm trying to keep the temperature regulated. I just, I think I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just not very good at, at that. But uh, anyway, so uh, let's see. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention off the top here. I mentioned last week, of course, about Debian Etch. And I just wanted to say I've continued to use Debian this week, and I really like it a lot. It's um, it's really impressive. And, yeah, it may have some older packages, but, boy, is it stable and everything works. And it's I think it's fast. Uh, it's just, it's really nice. I'm liking it a lot and I don't know, I may just have to, I may just have to keep it around on one of my desktops. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. So anyway, um, I think with that, I don't think I've got any other things I wanted to mention here up front. So we might as well get right to the main segment. Uh, we'll talk about doing a lamp install and then install uh, web calendar. Okay, well, the way I'm going to do this, <laughs> this is, I don't know, hopefully this, this won't be too boring. I don't think it will. I, I hope not. Um, I've actually got a virtual machine set up in Parallels, and I've got Debian Etch, in fact, installed in this, uh, in this virtual machine. And I've got it all, you know, what I did was I just did the net install of Debian. I just installed X, the X server, and a very basic window manager, Fluxbox in this case. Oh, and uh, Firefox, which they call Ice Weasel. But, uh, and that's it. And I haven't installed any of the um, LAMP-type stuff, you know, Apache. I haven't installed any of that yet. I'm going to do that right now and just kind of show you how, how easy it is. Okay, so now, of course, I've cheated, and I've already gone through this once to make sure it works. <laughs> so I have to admit that up front. But it does work, so let's see if I can do it again. Okay, first thing is to install Apache. That's pretty easy. We're just going to do, in this particular case, of course, Debian uses apt-get, so we're going to do apt-get install uh, Apache 2. And um, ask me if I want to continue. I click, click yes, and I see that it has, you know, it, it installs some additional packages, maybe I don't know, six, seven, eight additional packages. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, I just typed in apt-get install Apache 2, and that's it. Now, uh, slash var slash www is the root directory. You know, I mentioned that last week, and that, that's going to be the root directory for this installation of Apache. So from now on, that's the, the, you know, when I talk about going into the root directory and creating subdirectories, that's what I'm talking about, slash var slash www. 
Okay, so now it says setting up Apache, and it says done. Okay, so what I'm, I'm, the next thing I'm going to do before I go any further is I've got my web browser open, and I'm just going to type in HTTP colon slash slash localhost to see if Apache's set up. And uh, in Debian, it has just a blank page that says it works. Uh, so, <laughs> so Apache is uh, ready to go. Now, um, yeah, obviously, the next thing just to kind of keep in mind is how to start, stop, and restart Apache, and that's very easy. In Debian, it's slash Etsy, slash init, period, D, slash Apache 2, and then start, stop, or restart. And you can also do reload, and I think that's just kind of like a basically just sort of a little bit of a, of a quicker uh, restart. It just reloads the configuration files rather than restarting the entire uh, web server. Okay, so that works well. Now, the next step is to install is to install. Uh, uh, MySQL. So now I'm going to do apt get install, and in Debian it's MySQL dash server. And so we're going to do that again. It pulls in some more packages, and I click yes to continue. And uh, let's see, it's interesting. MySQL and all of its dependencies installs 35 megabytes, and you know that's you know, and then after unpacking, 91 megs of additional disk space will be used. That, Kind of seems like a lot, but I don't know. Maybe not for a database. Uh, but you know, fortunately, I'm lucky that I have a broadband connection, so I can do this. Uh, I wouldn't be doing this um, <laughs> if I was on dial-up. I wouldn't be recording the installation if I was on dial-up. But luckily, like I said, I do have broad uh, broadband. So as it's uh, it, it's still downloading a couple packages, just got another minute to go. Uh, of course, the next thing you know, the thing to remember about MySQL is how to start that. So that would just be slash etsy slash init period d slash MySQL or MySQL, and then start, stop, or restart. Now, the you know the very first thing I'm going to do, and this is just you know the way I kind of do things with my, MySQL is, uh, and I touched on this last week, is I like to set a root password right off the bat before I forget. Um, so that's going to be the very first thing I do, and then after we install MySQL. Uh, then, the, then the last step will be to install uh, PHP. And then we'll have all sort of the main components put together, and then we'll talk about actually installing this little application. This little web calendar application, by the way, is a nifty little PHP application. It's just a, you know, it's just a calendar, and it just lets you put in events, and you can look at it in your web browser, and you can have multiple users. And um, I even think there's ways to share it with RSS, and I think it even you know has some iCal capability, sort of that, that standard kind of uh, calendar protocol. It, it's very full-featured, and the nice thing is it is still actively developed. Uh, LAMP applications, PHP applications, MySQL applications tend to have some fairly serious security vulnerabilities. If you listen to this most recent episode of uh, Security Now, they talk about SQL injections, and that is a real problem with any applications with a lot of LAMP applications using the database at the back end, that is a problem. And a lot of times when you run across these little scripts and little applications across the internet, it might be some little thing that somebody created. I think Steve Gibson was using sort of like a, you know, a guest book as an example. And these might be one top, you know, one shot deals that are not maintained and are not updated. But this particular application, it's web calendar. It is out, it is updated. They've got two different versions. They've got sort of a stable version, 1.0.5, and then they've got like a development, kind of like an, you know, the next generation. And I think that's 1.1. something or other. But anyway, okay. So I see that MySQL is uh, set up, so is installed. So now I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to type in uh, MySQL admin dash u root, and then the word, uh, and then my um, let's see, then the word password, and then I'm going to give myself a password. 
Okay. There we go. Easy, easy as pie. All right. And then, so let's see. So we've got PHP. No, we've got MySQL set up. We've got Apache set up. Now we've got to install uh, PHP. Now for PHP, we need to install two packages. We need to install PHP 4 and PHP 4-MySQL. So I'm going to do apt get install PHP 4 and PHP 4-MySQL. And that's that's only about two megs of space, two, two, three megabytes of space on the disk. So that's not too bad. And it actually, what's interesting is when you install some of these packages, it, it, it it's, uh, restarts Apache for you, uh, which is kind of kind of nifty. And once we've got this, uh, once we've got PHP installed, that before we go on to installing the web calendar, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create that little uh, file with the PHP info just so we can test it, make sure everything's working okay. So I'm going to do cd slash var slash www, and I'm going to make a directory in here called test, so mkdir test. And I'm going to change into that directory. And now I'm going to create an index.php file. So I just use Vim. Uh, you can use Nano, whatever. So uh, in this, I'm just going to put the following in this index.php file. Uh, open bracket, question mark, PHP, space, PHP, info, uh, open parentheses, close parentheses, semicolon, space, question mark, close bracket. And we will save that. Now in my browser, I'm going to go to localhost slash test, and uh, there is a PHP info page. And there's a long page. It shows you all kinds of configuration and tells you what's set up in PHP. The thing you want to look for, you want to make sure, is that MySQL is set up. And I'm looking through here, and I see that it is not. There's not a section on MySQL, and I think I know why. I ran into this before. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through this. Uh, there is a line in the MySQL configuration file that we need to comment out. So I'm going to do cd slash etsy slash mysql. And there is a file in there called my.cnf. That's the MySQL configuration file. So I'm going to open this file and scroll down to a line that says bind ad address. And I'm going to insert a... Uh, hash mark in front of it to comment out that line and then I'm going to save that file and exit back to the command line now I'm going to restart MySQL so slash Etsy slash init period D slash MySQL restart okay now once it's restarted I'm going to refresh this PHP information page and looks like MySQL is still not there <laughs> can't remember now what I did last time. Maybe I need to restart Apache as well. So let's try that. Slash Etsy, slash init period D, slash Apache 2, and I'm going to do the reload. And yes, that did it. Now there is a MySQL section. It's right after mime underscore magic, uh, about two-thirds of the way down. So that tells me that MySQL and PHP and Apache are all talking to each other, which is important. Uh, when, when you install one of these LAMP-type applications, you obviously need to make sure it's all set up. Okay, so now that's all good to go. So now I am going to install this web calendar application. And I've already downloaded it, so I'm going to copy it into slash var slash www. 
uh, all right, from where I had downloaded it. And then I'm going to CD into slash var slash www. And now I'm going to extract this tarball, unpack this tarball, and it's tar space dash zxvf. And the z is for when you've got it when you've got a tarball using the the gzip compression. The x means to extract. The v stands for verbose, and f is file. So tar space dash zxvf space, and then my web calendar dot tar dot gz file. So it extracts it. Now, in this particular case, it extracts it to a, a directory web calendar dash 1.0.5. Now, whatever subdirectory I use is going to be the subdirectory. It's going to be part of the, it's going to be part of the URL. So I don't want to have to type, you know, localhost slash web calendar dash 1.0.5. So I'm going to rename this directory to just calendar. So I'm going to do move mv web calendar dash 1.0.5 and then calendar. There we go. Okay, now that has been renamed into the calendar, so that's the calendar directory. Now, uh, if you take a look at the web calendar installation instructions, after uh, setting up the uh, PHP and MySQL and all that, as far as getting to the actual setting up the program, the very first step they say is to create the database. Now, this is a good example. This is why I picked this application, because some applications will set up the database for you automatically. This one does not. And like WordPress does not either. So sometimes you'll need to set up these databases manually. Now, the instructions for this particular application are great. It just line by line tells you exactly what to do, and it works perfectly. The other thing they've done here in this case, and not every, and not every application does this, um, they've also included a file. It's a tables-mysql.sql file. And what that file is, it's a, it's a text file that has all the tables that are going to populate and make up the database. And so what we're going to do is create the database, create the, you know, do the grant all privileges thing, and then we're going to create the tables using this file and so and this is all in the instructions for this particular application but we're going to go ahead and walk through it right now so uh, the very first thing to do is to create the database so what I'm going to do is I'm going to log into the MySQL server so I'm going to do mysql-u-root-p and it will ask me for my password so I'm going to enter in my, my uh, MySQL root password and now I'm at the MySQL prompt where it says MySQL and then a little bracket so now I'm going to do create database, and they have a name for it, and it is called intranet. So I'm going to do create database intranet semicolon, and it says OK. Now I'm going to um, grant all privileges to the user that they like to have. Now, it probably, well, I've gone through this installation, and I know when you get to the installation part of the, of the, you know, when you actually run the script that does the installation, you can plug in different names for the database name, the user, and the password. So obviously, you probably would not want to use their defaults uh, for the database name, for the user, and for the password, because anybody who installs this application is going to have those same credentials. Uh, I'm going to stick with what they have just for purposes of this installation, but I would recommend using a different name for the database, for the user, and for the password. So uh, anyway, their next step here is to type in, we're going to grant some privileges to a new user with a new password to um, that database. So we have grant all privileges 
on, we've got the database name too, and they have a name here called web calendar as the username at localhost identified by quote webcal01, that's the password they use, and they have this with grant option. So I'm going to include that with a semicolon at the end, and it says OK. I'm going to type flush privileges, semicolon, OK, and then quit, semicolon, OK, and I'm back out to the main terminal. Now, uh, another step here in this um, installation before we run the little script is to, we need to go into the calendar directory, and we need to do two things. First, we need to insert the MySQL tables into the database. So with this, we type MySQL, uh, and then intranet is the name of the database, tables dash mysql.sql. And actually, I forgot to pass along my root user because this obviously requires root privileges. Okay, so the command that did that was mysql space dash u root space dash p space and then intranet which is the name of the database with a less than sign and then tables dash mysql dot sql and it will prompt me for my root password which I entered and then I'm done. The last thing we need to do before we can run their little installation script is to it says in the in the instructions you've got to change the permissions on a subdirectory called includes so we're going to do change mod dash capital R seven 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 and then includes forward slash. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is we just use our web browser to uh, navigate to the calendar subdirectory. So I'm going to do localhost slash calendar. And it gives me here, um, it's a sort of a, you know, a GUI, a web-based front end to installing this application. And it lists here the database name, the data, uh, the login name, the password, and I just click Save Settings for now, and it has saved my settings. It has me create a password for this installation script, so that's pretty good. So I'm going to do that, set that password. Okay, password has been set, and then I'm going to log in again to the database setup part of this installation script. And it tells me that my login has been successful, so I'm going to click Save Settings. It gives you, once you're all done with that, um, it gives you a launch web calendar button. And then it gives you, when you click that, it takes you to a login screen. And you can enter in, I think in the instructions it says admin. And admin is the default username and password for the actual administrator. And there you go. Yep. And then, of course, you can go in and change the default password for the admin and all that. And you can add users and calendars and all that kind of stuff. So... Pretty cool stuff, works real well, and uh, that's just, you know, one example of how you would uh, get a LAMP server set up to begin with, and then going through a sort of an example installation of a PHP application. Many PHP applications have very similar processes, obviously, you just got to read the directions, read the instruction manual, the installation manual, and it, most of the times they have some kind of web-based graphical installation script like we just ran here when we once we got the database set up then I just did localhost slash calendar and it actually uh, redirected you to a subdirectory called install with an index.php file in there and that was the actual installation now when I just go to localhost slash calendar 
um, it just takes me to the regular calendar login screen where I can log in as admin or another user or whatever. Now, what's really neat is obviously with um, once you've got this set up, it's available on your LAN. And um, if you, you know, when you have a machine that's running this particular piece of software, what I would do is I would give it a static IP rather than using, you know, um, a, an IP that can change whenever you reboot. And then uh, your other computers can just navigate this to this web calendar by typing in the IP address of that particular server that's running the application slash calendar. And it will take them to the web calendar. And you can even get more fancy by, you know, if you want to, rather than having to remember the IP address, uh, give your server, a, a, you know, a machine name. And uh, then in your, in your hosts file on all the other computers and all your client computers, you can add an entry with the IP address of the server, with their machine name. So it basically you're telling all the clients, okay, 192.168.1.100, which is my server, is going to be called Bob. <laughs> and so all your other clients, once they know that, they can just type in HTTP colon slash slash Bob slash calendar. And those machines will know to translate Bob into the correct IP address. So pretty slick stuff and, um, you know, I think it's pretty cool, and hopefully that will help you kind of get a get a handle on how to set up a, a LAMP server and, and all that good stuff. I think, you know, I think it's helpful. Hopefully it is. Let me know. I We have, let's see, one uh, listener tip, one audio feedback, and then I've got a few emails. So let's start with that tip first. Hi, Chess. It's Ben again from Canada. I believe on my last voicemail I got cut off due to the time restriction. I'm sorry. I just wanted to finish it just in case listeners uh, would like to check it out. Uh, where I left off was talking about the Linux from Scratch website where you would download a book um, to basically learn how to build your own Linux distribution. Now, what you do once you get to the website, L-I-N-U-X-F-O, or sorry, F-R-O-M, scratch.org, linuxfromscratch.org, you'll want to click on the LFS, LFS hyperlink, and then from there, the menu on the left-hand side of the page will change. You click on download, and then go to the stable book directory, which is linuxfromscratch.org slash LFS slash downloads slash stable. Now, essentially, what I would like to emphasize is that this is not actually a Linux distribution that you're downloading. This is a book in... <laughs> pretty much any format that you would like that explains to you how to build your Linux system from scratch. I think it's great. I mean, there's so many people out there like myself. Um, I don't want to be stereotypical when I say this, but who have ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, like myself. And I mean, I honestly want to learn everything about everything as fast as I can. And right now, I mean, I've been running SUSE for the longest time, and it's great. However, I've always wanted to just learn how it works right then and there as fast as I could and how to build it myself. And I think that this is great for people who are like me, quote-unquote, who just want to get stuff done, want to learn, are really into computers, and want to check it out. So I hope that if not, excuse me, if you don't feature this actual recording that you could at least mention it yourself uh it does not matter to me whatsoever if you mention my name at all um that's the point they check it out whatever if 
they heard it from me, it doesn't make a difference. They heard it from you, it doesn't make a difference. They still heard about it. So, Chess, I just wanted you have to have a great day, evening, night, whichever it is, where you are. Uh, in Canada, it's 6 o'clock a.m. right now. Um, yeah, so you have yourself a great day, and enjoy Linux. Like I said, if you ever need any help whatsoever with anything, drop me an email at weir.bm at gmail.com. That's W-E-I-R dot, as in the period, B-M at gmail.com. W-E-I-R dot B-M at gmail.com. Take it easy, Jess. Bye. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. Ben had actually... um contacted me by email before offering to help so that's why i wanted to play that and actually ben i didn't get the other voicemail that you said got cut off but this was i thought good you know as a listener tip talking about linux from scratch so uh thank you again very much all right let's get to the listener feedback Good evening, Chess. It's John from Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, first of all, I want to apologize because the last time I left you a message, I called you Chris by mistake, and um, extremely sorry. Don't worry um, about it. I don't know why I did that, but anyway, your name is Chess, and I do apologize for that. Um, I like where you're going with the show. I think you do a fantastic job. Uh, I too look forward to your show every single week. I download it uh, religiously every week and then listen to it as soon as I possibly can because I always look forward to what you have to say. Uh, I really like where you're going with this whole LAMP thing, Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP, and um, the Apache um, broadcast, podcast, uh, I thought was great. Um, out of the box, uh, Ubuntu on the server side has a LAMP option. I don't know if you knew that or not, uh, but in the when you're download the software, the server software specifically uh, for Ubuntu, they give you an option to install LAMP as default. Uh, so it installs pretty much everything that you would ever need to use for a LAMP server in about 15-20 minutes uh, and then you're done. But uh, the only downfall to this um, is that it's all command line driven. Uh, there is no X windows from default. I mean I'm sure you can install it if you would like to and get a GUI up and running. I haven't figured out how to do this yet, but I've been using it from the command line for about two months now, and it's it's very, very cool what you can do with it. Uh, another suggestion, uh, for those of us like me who have hard times with uh, configuration files and you know all we're, what to change and what not to change, and what what definitely not to change to screw things up, which I usually do a lot, uh, is webmin.com. Um, it's a great software. Uh, you're probably familiar with it. Um, that gives you a web browser-based GUI to configure everything from Apache to Samba to MySQL to literally just about any kind of piece of software that can run on Linux just about. Um, just thought I'd drop you out of a note. Again, sorry, Chess. Didn't mean to call you Chris. Have a great night. Bye. Well, don't worry about that, uh, about the name thing. That's no big deal at all. Um, thank you for that For that very, uh, uh, you know, very nice audio comment. You had a lot of good points in there. Webmin is fantastic. Yeah, I really like Webmin a lot. 
and I did know about about that about Ubuntu. I think with Debian as well. I can't remember now. Of course, I just did. I've done several Debian um, installs just in the last week, and I can't even remember. I know there's a screen where you can select, you know, desktop or laptop or whatever, and I'm pretty sure they have web server in there. I don't. I don't think it says LAMP, but. Uh, I for for me for Debian what I like to do is just a minimal install just the regular just the, the the least possible I don't like any of those kind of prepackaged selections and then just install the stuff myself it you know it may end up installing the exact same packages but I always feel like when you have those pre-configured you know um, package sets that there's going to be stuff in there that you may not want uh, but I did know about that about Ubuntu and uh, yeah Ubuntu is really I think turning into a great little server product uh, especially their 6.06 of uh, Dapper Drake, I guess it is, the, with the one with the long-term support. Uh, that's a very nice little server server application, uh, little server distribution. So uh, good stuff, good stuff. Okay, got some emails here that I wanted to get through. Um, first one is from uh, Sergio, and I, I want to read this because, well, I got a couple emails like this, so I just wanted to m- mention it. So Sergio says, Hi, Chess. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and it's part of my week to have that Linux reality episode to listen to during my commute. Since the podcast is aimed at the new Linux user, I began thinking if that means new geek user or new normal people user. That became apparent when you started this new and interesting series on home servers. For me as a software developer, understanding how to install a LAMP server is nice, but for a non-technical user like most of our relatives which we keep trying to bring to Linux, these types of servers are just irrelevant. For these regular home users, in my humble opinion, the interesting servers are the ones that just sits there quietly just like another appliance. I mean stuff like a print server, a file slash backup server, a media server, maybe a firewall, etc. These things typically are installed, configured once, and then used transparently day in and day out. That said, if the user happens to have a LAMP server ready to go, there are many LAMP applications that come that that become useful in a household, like a family calendar, there you go, <laughs> a wiki, shared contact lists, etc. Anyway, that's just my two cents. Thanks for the podcast initiative and helpfulness. Well, Sergio and um, like I said, I got a couple others like this. Excellent point. Excellent point. I got to say, I got a, I've, I've received a ton of email, uh, way more than I would have expected, saying how much they're enjoying this series. However, I was concerned, actually, when I started it with the points that Sergio was making, and I didn't want it to become over the head of of many people. And, you know, yeah, this podcast is for new Linux users, and it really is supposed to be for any kind of new user, new users who have some some geek factor and some who don't. And I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you know, I'm trying to have some episodes that are very basic and some that are a little bit more advanced. And it's going to be kind of a, a cross section, and you know, and plus, you know, I've covered a lot of basic stuff already, and you know, part of me kind of wants to move, you know, keep moving it along. I don't, you know, I don't want to keep going back to the really old basic stuff, but I, but I'm going to from time to time. I'm going to mix them together because I think it's important. Now, I think about your lists of of servers that people are interested in. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think most of those are things I'm going to get to. The print server and the file server, I feel like I've already kind of covered in the sec- in the episodes back in the 20s on uh, cups and and um, uh, Windows networking. I do plan to kind of bring that up to date and talk about it again in this little series here. But I am I'm I'm kind of planning to do a backup server 
uh, maybe a firewall. Uh, several people have asked me for like some sort of media streaming type server. So there's going to be some other things as well. So it's, I'm going to mix it up. Don't worry. But I, I really appreciate that that email, Sergio. And like I said, I got two, one or two others very like very much like that. And I thought it was a very fair point. So I want to address that. Okay, here's a message from Bill. Bill says, hi, I like the recent server series. Personally, I'd like to hear all about setting up a name server. In a mixed environment with Linux and several flavors of Windows, how do I set up a name server to assign all the computers different names so I can transfer files internally from slash upstairs to slash new laptop? Cheers, Bill, meaning like machine names. Um, Bill, I don't know if I'm going to get to name servers. I've done some stuff with Bind in the past, which is a name server. I feel like that's pretty advanced. Um, you know, one easy workaround or one simple another solution is to do what I mentioned a few minutes ago, which is to edit everybody's Etsy slash host file, or I shouldn't say Etsy, I guess if it's Windows machine, but the host file, actually Security Now, they did an interesting podcast about it quite a, quite a ways ago, but both Windows, Macintosh, and Linux all make use of a, of a file called hosts. And uh, in Linux, it's slash Etsy slash hosts, and it's basically a list of IPs and machine names, or IPs and URLs. And uh, I use it all the time on all my machines. What I do, I have every single one of my machines set up with a static IP, and I assign them to a name, and I use the host file to assign the, the names to the IPs, and I use that across all my computers. And that works out great. So that's an option as well. So, But thank you very much, Bill. Here's an email from Daniel. Daniel says, hi, Chess, uh, if I may be so bold. <laughs> um, I won't blather on too long. I thought I'd say, one, I've been using Slackware for the better part of a year now, and two, I learned a great deal from this episode. I've taken a fairly slow attack to picking up on things, hastened, if at all, by one, linuxquestions.org, two, pound Slackware on IRC, and three, now your podcast. I listen to the Linux Action Show every week and typically catch up on the Twit stuff too. I've been, but I've been devouring your episodes since I found your cast late last week. I find that Linux reality fills a hole in the technical podcast landscape, that of instruction rather than just the dissemination of information. This is really an awesome time to be a computer enthusiast. Take care, and I'll be burning more of your bandwidth in the coming weeks. Daniel. Thanks, Daniel. That's a very nice email. And feel free to burn the bandwidth all you want because I don't pay for it. Um, <laughs> well, I do, but I do pay for my Libsyn service, which hosts all the files, but uh, um, the uh, bandwidth is unlimited. So don't worry about that. Um, and I'm glad that you found the podcast. Welcome. Here's a message from Dwayne. Last email for this week. Dwayne says, hi, Chess. I'm a fairly new user to Linux. I committed to switch to it several years ago, and I'm nearly ready to do so. I think it was around 2001 or 2002 when I first tried Fedora Core 1, and since that time, I have accumulated nearly two of those black Atlantic CD file boxes of Linux CDs as I have tried out various distros. I am a heavy user of Excel, and this is the thing that has made the changeover hard. When I first tried OpenOffice 1.0 several years ago, I had a problem with it showing me one page but printing the previous page that kept me from switching sooner. I am currently trying OpenOffice 2.0 on Simply Memphis 6, and I should know soon if it's going to work for me or not. My question is, can I run more than one instance of Samba on my LAN? I have a setup now where I am running Samba on one machine, and I use a KVM switch uh, to switch back and forth between Memphis and Windows 2000 Professional. I want to set up a Linux file server with Samba on another machine. Will this result in any problems? I just discovered your podcast a few days ago, and I hope to support you soon. I wouldn't want a great resource like this to go away like Tux Magazine did. One last suggestion, could you cover IceCast someday? I don't think there's much documentation, although I haven't looked in a while. I currently run Shoutcast on an old machine, and by turning off the Internet services, I'm able to listen to MP3s throughout my house on my LAN. 
I would like to do something like this in Linux. Thanks for the great Linux help from Dwayne. Well, Dwayne, let's say here, uh, Samba, yes, you can run Samba multiple instances on your land. That's not a problem. You can have multiple file servers. I mean, you obviously different machine names, different IPs, you know, that's fine. I mean, that's not a problem at all. Um, as far as IceCast, I do think that's something I'm going to cover. I've actually never used IceCast. I mean, I can't believe it. I've used MPD, which is a music player daemon, which is sort of like a music server, but I've never tried IceCast. So I do, I'm looking forward to that because I think that would be a lot of fun. And, uh, Let's see, what else did you have here? Oh, about OpenOffice and Excel. Yeah, I don't have much to, to offer there. Um, I know that the Excel import issue has, has been problematic, but I think it has gotten better. I hope it has, uh, because I, that is very important. So thank you very much, Dwayne, and thanks to everybody else who sent me all those emails this week. I got a whole bunch of them, and um, you know, I really appreciate it. And uh, feel free to keep sending in the emails and the voicemails and all that great stuff. So, But I think that's going to do it for this week. All righty. Well, that's going to do it, I think, for the LAMP part of this uh, series. We're going to move on to some other kinds of servers next. I hope that you found this little walkthrough helpful, and I hope it wasn't too boring. Uh, I, you know, I, there's, I think it's, it's nice to know how to set up a LAMP server because there's so many neat little PHP applications out there like this web calendar. And like Sergio mentioned, there's ones that will do contact lists and to-do lists. And I mean, there's, you know, groupware suites that, you know, you can use at home and there's, there's all kinds of stuff. So blogs, obviously, uh, you know, image galleries, you know, if you want to maintain a, you know, an, you know a directory with all of your photos that you can view with a web browser. There's so many things you can do with a LAMP server, and it's just endless. So, anyway, let me know what you think about that, and uh, if you got any other ideas for home servers, feel free to send them my way. I don't, can't guarantee I'm going to cover everything under the sun, but I'm going to try to get to several more here, because I think we've got some good things to talk about. So it should be a lot of fun. Like I said, please feel free to send me email or audio comments. You can send either of those to linuxreality at gmail.com. You can just record a little listener thing and send it in well, you can also use the hotline or the audio web-based service. All that good stuff is on the Linux Reality homepage at linuxreality.com, as well as the forums, linuxreality.com slash forums. We're just cooking along. We've got a lot of great stuff going on in there, a lot of very nice people, good conversations. Please check it out. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I hope you all have a great week and weekend and all that good stuff. I'll catch you next time. This has been Episode 58 of Linux Reality. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.